Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, God bless you, church. Is anybody ready to dive into the Word of God? Amen. Well, God bless all of you joining us online as well. Uh, We hope that you get ready to receive, and uh, it's going to be a good day. We are starting a a three-part series called How Do You Manage? And so we start it today, and it'll continue for the next couple of weeks. But uh, it's about a topic that I'm very... I'm very passionate about. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about stewardship and, and finances and stuff like that. Any Dave Ramsey course people in here, you've taken the damn Dave Ramsey uh, financial piece. Okay, so you, you kind of get, you get it. Uh, if, if I'm in the car and the radio show's on and that theme song begins to play, I don't turn it down, I crank it up and my kids are like, not again, dad. Uh, but, but I'm excited to be able to share some thoughts from the word of God uh, today. And as we plan and prepare for series around here, we don't take it lightly, and we have a goal to really bring relevant messages to you. Uh, In other words, we don't want to just uh, preach the Word of God, which, by the way, aren't you glad that this is a church that preaches the full gospel from the Word of God? Amen? So, of course, that's true, but we also wanted to be able to apply to your life. And you may not know this because I didn't understand uh, all of this when I was uh, researching this, but do you know that the number one issue that couples fight about is money, finances? That's right. And uh, 44% of those in debt said that they lose sleep over their finances. One in five Americans with a credit card have maxed it out in the last month. No conviction here, okay, no condemnation here. Uh, One in four Americans with debt are in collections for at least one of their debts. And unfortunately, here's the kicker, when I read these stats, these stats don't distinguish themselves from Christians or the church and everybody else. So that means that this is right down your lane. There are people in here that uh, are are for sure good with finances and do a good job. There are others that you're struggling. And I would just say no matter where you fall, we're going to grow, we're going to learn today, and we're going to open up the Word of God and see what it says. Amen? Amen. So uh, just know that our heart as we dive into this, uh, what can honestly be a difficult subject to tackle is this, is that we don't want something from you. We want something for you. I'm going to say that again. We don't want something from you. That's not our motivation uh, behind why we would share something like this, but it's because we want something for you. We want something for your family. We want you to be blessed. We want you to be living in victory. And so uh, we're going to pray right now and ask the Lord's blessing upon this, this message. And as we do, uh, I want to remember the families of those um, 19 students and, and the, the two teachers that were lost in Texas. What a tragedy. They need God's love. Amen. They need the Holy Spirit's comforting arms uh, to wrap around them. And so we'll lift them up in prayer today. And also, um, we were informed late Friday night that um, 
Marcos Alvarez. He's a, he's a member of our media team, incredible man of God, uh, faithful, and uh, is a part of our team here. But his mother passed away, so we want to remember uh, his, his family uh, in prayer as well. All right, so let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, we thank you for wisdom that we gain through the word of God. I pray that you would open our eyes, our spiritual ears to hear everything that you have for us. God, we are open. We are ready to grow and to learn. So speak uh, today. Anoint my words as, uh, as they go forth, God, in Jesus' name. I pray right now for those uh, that are in Texas right now, really all across our, our nation that are grieving those that, uh, that we've lost. I pray, God, that your hand of love and comfort uh, would just surround those that are in need right now, God, and just show yourself strong in this situation, in this tragedy. And God, we also take a moment now and we pray for um, Marcos and his entire family as they are uh, grieving right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, just begin to move in this situation and give peace that surpasses all understanding. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen. 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 Well, I thought um, as we talk about finances today, I, I would just give you a visual picture of, of what gains our attention so much in life. We interact with this on a daily basis, don't we? It's, it's money. This is $10. Um, and you'd be like, well, why in the church would, would we preach on a subject like this, like money and finances? It seems like that shouldn't be talked about in church. But do you realize that Jesus talked a lot about this right here? He talked a lot about money. In fact, there are eight, over 850 scriptures that deal with how to manage this, how to give this, where our focus is, and all has to do with money. The, the Bible talks more about money than it does about love. Now, love is important. Somebody say amen. amen. But Jesus must have thought it was also important to talk about this subject, and that's why we're going to talk about it today. So uh, could anybody use $10? All right, it'll get, you, it'll get you a splash of gas. You know what I mean? It'll get you like a quarter of a, a, quarter of a gallon or something like that. But who could use this right now? Come up and come on up, ma'am. Everybody give her. There you go. Congratulations. Be sure to tithe on that money, okay? Um, I won't have the ushers follow you around, but um, tithing is a good thing. What if, I was just wondering, what if I doubled that, and not only did I give away $10 to this sweet lady here, but, but, but $20. Could anybody use $20? Did somebody from the risers shout out? Well, you're worth the wait. Come on down. It's like the price is right, everybody. Come on, give her a hand. Josh, you want to... Help me out. Thank you, sir. Josh is right here. He's going to hand that off. I was, I was just wondering this. What if I didn't give away $20, but what if I took the 20? What if I doubled that? And what if I was to give away $40? Could anybody use $40? I said, what if I gave away the $40? I'm not doing that today. My wife's right here on the front row. She's like, babe, they get the point. Put our money away. <laughs> but it's amazing, how, it's amazing how money gets our attention. And unfortunately, some of you that haven't paid attention in church for a long time, suddenly your eyes are like this because I'm talking about money. And there's, there's some principles in the Word of God that I want to dive into today that's, that's pretty incredible. 
And I thought a good way to illustrate this would be to, to grab a paddle like this. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you have been uh, in a kayak before and you've used one of these? That's it? How many of you have never been in a kayak and used one of these? All right, you guys need to get out more, okay? Because life is really fun. There's a lot to do out there. But I can remember uh, being with my friend over in Sarasota, and he owns a couple kayaks, and we were actually fishing from the kayak, and, uh, and uh, I had one of these. And if you've never been in a kayak before, it takes both, both of these, the sides of the paddle being put in the water in order to make progress, okay? And if you've ever messed around and maybe you've only had one side, what happens? If you only have one side in operation, you start, to, you start to spin in circles a little bit. And I can remember times where I was fishing and I had a, had a fish on the line and I could only get one side of the paddle in the water and I wasn't able to move forward and I was just doing circles. And I probably looked pretty hilarious because my friend was making fun of me. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I can only, I can only get one side in. And so here's why I share that is because a lot of us, we are operating in generosity. And you know what? We celebrate that around here. That's why when somebody gets up and they say, they say something like, it's time, to, it's time for the offering or it's time to give, what do you do as the church? You clap your hands, right? Go ahead and clap your hands. Very good. And hopefully you're not trained just to do that and you have like no heart behind it. But many of you understand the power of generosity. You understand the importance of that. And so you have this in operation. And if you don't, let me challenge you to, by the end of this message, be a generous person. But there's a counterpart to that that I would say is also very, very important. Because you you can be generous, but not have this side in operation. And this side is called stewardship. This is how to manage your money. In other words, some of you are generous, but you haven't stewarded your money well or managed your money well. Therefore, you're in credit card debt and your bills aren't paid and it's, it's stressful. And so it really limits how generous you can be because you haven't stewarded it well. Now, let me ask you this question. Why would God continue to bless a generous person if they're not also stewarding this side well? You're limiting the full provision of God. I believe that. Or some of you are very good stewards. You're the spreadsheet kind of person. How many of you in the room, you just love the spreadsheets and you show your spouse and they're not interested? Okay, I'm the spreadsheet guy too. I like it. I got my budget, my finances. You know where every dollar goes, every dime goes. It's like, yes, that that excites you, that energizes you, right? Because you know right where it's going. But sometimes these people over here can also be called tight and they're not generous. So that's why I say you could, you could be on one side of the, the pendulum or the other. You could be generous, but not stewarding well, and what are you doing? You're just spinning in circles. Or you could be stewarding well, but you've yet to tap into the generosity, and you're still spinning in circles. But I'm here to tell you that there's something powerful that happens when you can activate both in your life. You're saying, God, I'm going to be a generous giver. I'm going I'm to be a tither. I'm going to be doing all these things, but I'm also going to steward the rest well. And watch how that impacts your life. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. All right, I'm done with the paddle. So I'm going to read this to you out of Matthew chapter 6, 
Starting in verse 19, and Jesus is the one that's talking here. But he says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, don't do that. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in nor steal. Verse 21 is powerful. It says this, for where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if we're really gonna operate in the full measure of provision when it comes to the things of God and, and God blessing us, then we have to have generosity that is activated in our life. And I don't know about you, but I've recently cleaned out my, my closet at home. How many of you, when you do that, you realize how much stuff you have, just junk, right? It's like, I, you know, I don't, I'm not even a shopper. Like I like to shop at Ross, okay, Marshalls, that's my jam, anybody with me, okay? And even then, I, I look in my closet, I'm like, wh when did I buy this? You know, I just, it's not my thing. Or you go in your garage, guys, you go in your garage and you're like, how did I collect all of this stuff? And our focus can become on all this, these earthly things. And if we take inventory of our life, we can, we can sometimes realize that all of our investment, all of our treasure hasn't really been going to the kingdom of God, but it's just been going to stuff that we're not gonna care about in about six months. It's, it's going to go toward, toward an outfit or clothes that we're going to discard or not really care much about. And that's why Jesus says in this passage that it's really the focus here is not on ourselves or earthly things because they don't last. But the kingdom of God is what the focus should be about and other people. It's generosity. How many of you want to be blessed? Say amen. amen. How many of you want to be blessed? Raise your hand. You're like, Pastor Matt has money. I want to be blessed. I'm about to. So I remember when somebody asked me that question, and I, there's a little bit of an internal conflict, at least, at least for me, when, when somebody poses that question. Who wants to be blessed? And there's a part of you that says, well, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that are in need, and there's a lot of things going on. And so I feel a little bit guilty if I say I want to be blessed because I mean, is, is my bank account just gonna get larger? Am I gonna get a nicer car? Or am I gonna get a different house? Is that why I wanna be blessed? And I wanna go back and hopefully bring some context to the answer to that question. Let me read 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. Many of you have heard the prayer of Jabez before. Somebody reminded me years ago, probably 16 plus years ago, that in our auditorium over at Goldenrod, we had banners that said the Jabez prayer. Anybody remember that way back? Okay, a few of you, that's awesome. But he prays this prayer, and I wanna read it to you. It's, it's prayed um, by, by Jabez. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh that, you're, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. There it is. He's asking for the blessing of God. So we can kind of decipher there that, you know what, it's, it's okay to ask for God's blessing. Enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain or translation, that I would be a blessing. I don't want to cause pain, but I want to be a blessing. So God granted him what he requested. So here we have an honorable man. He's praying this bold prayer that says, God bless me indeed. God bless me. But his motivation wasn't just so that he could be blessed. His motivation was that he, so that he could be a blessing to other people. Yeah. 
So when we say, who wants to be blessed around here, I'm not asking you if you want a better car or if you want a better house, oh, I wanna be blessed because I need more money in my account. I'm saying, who wants to be a blessing to other people? Who wants to allow God to give you resource and funds so that it can channel through you so that you can be a blessing? A blessed life is a life that is a blessing. You go way back into Genesis, the Old Testament. Uh, Abram, God says, I will make you a great nation. He says, I'm gonna bless you and make your name great. Those are good things. I want all those things, right? And then he says, and you shall be a what? A blessing. So we are blessed not just to enlarge ourselves, but we are blessed to channel that and be a blessing to somebody else. I was thinking about this because in life, man, there are so many people that we know, we come into contact with, people in uh, our church, people in our city, that there's a very real need that's represented. And so in this area, as I describe this, I want you to think about maybe there's, there's hurting people or uh, people that have financial needs. There are missionaries that we're challenging everybody to give because they need to be sent. Uh, there, there's needs for uh, widows and orphans, and we're commanded by Scripture to take care of them. Uh, people live in developing countries that don't have the economy like we do, and so they struggle. And there's needs that are represented. Some people have experienced injuries in their life, sicknesses in their life that, that uh, have caused uh, them limitations and things like that that they can't uh, do maybe what you can. So the needs are there, and the list could go on and on and on. And then over here, we have, we have provision, and we have resources, and we have the blessing, Right? The finances, the money, the stuff that I held up just a moment ago. And, and it dawned on me because we, over here we have the needs that, again, we could go on and on about all the needs that are represented. But here, over here we have the resources and the blessing. So here's, here's what hit me. What is in between the needs and all of the resources? What is in between all the, the, the support that people need and the giving that we should be doing, and the resources, here's what it is. The person that's in the middle is you. You're right in the middle, and you can make a difference. You can say, God, I realize that you've blessed me, and, you, and the, the cool thing about giving is not all giving has to be equal, like as far as the amount, but the sacrifice can be the same. And so over here in the resource pool, you could say, God, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And so I'm going to give. And you start channeling all of that resource over to those that are in need, and God will bless that. I like to think of it like this. You're not to be a reservoir. You know what that is, right? Just a stagnant body of water that just kind of sits there and, and pulls up and gets larger, and there's not much life to that. But rather, you should be a river that says, I'm gonna be the channel from God's resources all the way over here to the need. And watch how God continues to pour out, pour out more and more and more. We gotta be rivers, not reservoirs. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And man, I was thinking about this because I've been at this church for the last 21 years and I have, I, I love this church. How many of you love this church? This is your church. I love you, I love this church so much. And, and over the years, I have had an upfront like front row seat, I should say, up close and personal look 
at this church and how its generosity has changed things. We're a generous church. We really are. I don't know if you realize this, but we're sitting in a miracle. This building is a miracle. Now, some of you, you newcomers, you're like, well, I don't understand. I mean, I came into Faith Assembly. It was beautiful. I'm having a good time. I like the church. My kids are involved. My, my, my students are in the youth center. Do you realize that people have given generously and invested generously so that you could be here right now? I just wonder if right now we can take five seconds and thank God for all of his provision using people just like you to be generous. Thank you, God. You know, I don't know if you've heard of the, uh, the ministry of Convoy of Hope. We've been giving uh, through Ukraine recently, but over the years, um, we've given in multiple different uh, context, I guess I should say. Um, but maybe it's a disaster. Comes through an area, a hurricane, a tornado, whatever. And guys, if you would put that on the screen. And, and, and these people have nothing. And uh, Convoy of Hope is typically one of the first responders on the scene with their semi-trucks, with their humanitarian aid, as far as like water, food, um, with, with being a blessing, flashlights, generators, trying to get people back on their feet. Convoy of Hope goes into large cities and uh, lower income areas and set, sets up in a big field and they give away groceries. Um, our teams have been on trips and been a part of that. Convoy of Hope is an incredible, incredible ministry. And I was at a banquet one time and the founder of Convoy of Hope was, was there and he told his testimony and it was, it was incredible, I'll never forget it. He said back when he, was, um, when he was a child, his dad, Harold, got, or was killed by a, by a drunk driver. And his dad was the main breadwinner, and so uh, his family experienced incredible hardships as a result of the loss of his dad, because his mom was in the hospital for a short time. He said there was a, a family named the Davis family that temporarily took them in while the kids had nowhere to go. And they, they didn't have much. They lived in a single wide trailer, but they, they gave them food and they kind of took them to school and picked them up from school and helped them get back on their feet. Finally, they were able to move out into a, a little apartment. And he says, it wasn't un uncommon for us to come home and see a bag of groceries that just somebody who he would claim to be like angels, right? Just drop a, a bag of groceries on his front doorstep, he's like, do you realize the impact that that makes on a young kid when they have nothing, and then here's this blessing? Well, later on, he goes, and, and he's uh, pursuing a career in journalism, and he's over in India, uh, Calcutta, India, he said on his third trip, and he, for some reason, was able to meet face-to-face -face with Mother Teresa, like the Mother Teresa, and so he's there and he's telling this story. And I mean, I am just all in as I'm glued to every word he's saying as he's telling this story. And he said, he finally makes his way up to Mother Teresa and Mother Teresa asked him a question that he wasn't quite prepared for. He said, young man, what are you doing to help the poor and the suffering? And he's like, well, I'm not gonna lie to Mother Teresa. I know that. Hopefully he wouldn't lie anyway, but especially to Mother Teresa. 
So he wasn't really prepared to answer, but he said, well, to be honest with you, I'm not doing much of anything. And she said these words. She said, uh, young man, everyone can do something. So he walked away and he was, kind of, he was kind of embarrassed of his answer. And after all, he was the recipient of uh, the groceries and he's been impacted by generosity in his own life. And so on the flight home, all the way back to California, this, this conversation kept replaying over and over in his mind. And as soon as he got back to California, he determined that in his own uh, life, he's gonna be a part of the solution. So Convoy of Hope, before it was convoy of hope with all the semis and the ships and all the containers and all the, the funding that, th that they have now. It started when he went back to California and he just drove his pickup truck to the grocery store and bought about $100 worth of groceries and loaded them up in the back of his personal pickup truck. And he just went around to the neighborhoods and the families that were in need and he just said, God bless you. And he began to hand those out until they were gone. That's how it all started. How many of you know there's power in generosity, amen? Now you look at it. It's incredible to think more than 25 years later, more than 100 million people have been served in more than 115 countries simply because somebody understood the power of generosity. Secondly, if you're gonna move forward in the full measure of God's provision and blessing, you must also have stewardship. And that's that second side of the, pa the, the paddle that we talked about a moment ago. I wanna, I wanna tell you this. Listen, God has put you in charge of his resource. Yes. Now, I use those words carefully, and I wanna say it again. God put you in charge of his resource. He's saying, don't store up for your tre yourselves treasures here on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, he's given us the opportunity to manage what is his and he's saying, so it's your choice, it's your, uh, uh, it's your obligation, it's, it's up to you, in other words, to be a good steward. Robert Morris, I like what he says. He says, good stewardship gives you the financial margin to be generous and give to others. Some of you are like, man, I wanna be generous, but I'm not a good steward. I wanna, I wanna be like a person that knows what it's like to open up their hand and give to somebody else. The problem is I've mismanaged so much of my finances that I've, I've kinda handcuffed myself in a corner here. And I'm telling you, if you will get a hold of this, it will change your life. Both things moving together, God will bless you. So I'm gonna quickly review four principles of stewardship. The first principle is this, the principle of ownership. And I'm gonna say this statement uh, it sounds a little bit harsh, but it's really good. In fact, I'm just going to cue you to say amen after it, just in case you're a little bit offended, okay? Here we go. God owns everything. You own nothing. Say amen. amen. Somebody like, I got to wait and make sure it's truth before I say amen. God owns everything. You own nothing. Scripture's full of this truth. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world, and all who live in it. Psalm 50, verse 10, for every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields, they're mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. So it's an incredible, incredible thing. When today you maybe get in your car and you touch that steering wheel and you could say, this car is in my possession, but I don't own it. 
when you can maybe log into your bank account, or if you're old school, you go to the bank. <laughs> and you say, I see the figures here, I see the numbers here. It's kind of in my account, but I don't own it. You go into your driveway, you look at your house, or you go to your apartment. God, you have, you have blessed me this, but I am fully aware that I don't own this. God, it all belongs to you. And so I have to, with wisdom, and yes, some effort, and sometimes you have to do something that's kind of a bad word for some of you, math. You gotta calculate and think about it and, full, and be fully aware that, God, I don't own any of it, that you have stuff in your life, but he's the owner, and we have to be willing to be good stewards of that. Here's the second principle of stewardship, the principle of responsibility. He entrusts us with everything that we have. In the same way that God supernaturally blesses you when you give and you are generous. Baba talks about sowing and reaping. You know how there's a supernatural component that's in play there? Where God opens the windows of heaven and you've, many of you have walked in that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You you've, uh, know that God has been faithful to you. In that same way, listen, in that same way, when you live your life according to biblical stewardship, watch how that same blessing is opened up over your life. Try it. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a powerful thing. We're responsible for it. That's the second. And let me just uh, push this class really quick. We have a class starting after this service, Finance 101. So whether you're uh, new to this or whether you just need a fine tuning or you just need a little bit of help, there's no judgment we are here to help. Uh, you'll learn something, no matter where you land. And so there's a, there's a class starting right after this service. You can take your phone out uh, and just scan that. It'll give you more information, but it's in uh, B210. Uh, Dr. Cora and the finance team are starting that. It's a four-week uh, class. That's a great intro level uh, if you want to learn more about this, um, budgeting and all that good stuff. And then the third principle of stewardship is the principle of accountability. As a manager, I think it's important that we do first things first. I think Pastor Johnny mentioned it a moment ago. What do we do first? It's that 10%, it's that tithe. It's, it's representation that God, I'm putting you first in my finances. And I realize that some of you haven't done that yet. And, and I want over these next few weeks, will you be open to that? Will you be open to that challenge of, of God, I'm gonna put you first in my life. Why don't you show up? As I steward well, as I give, God, I want you to bless me in, the, in this area, not just so that I can be blessed, but so that I can be a blessing to other people. And I think the tithe is, is a big deal. I mean, I teach, my wife and I, we teach our kids tithing, the principle of tithing, putting God first. If they get allowance, gotta tithe. Not got to, you get to. Don't forget to tithe. Because I want to instill that into them. You know, I remember um, several years ago being in middle school ministry and, and working with students a lot. It wasn't uncommon, like after a service, if somebody came in after the offering time for a student to come up. And they would have, it would be under a dollar for sure because it's change. Uh, maybe 35 cents that represents their tithe. And a part of me, just, just being honest, a part of me is like, 
okay, you know, thank you for the 35 cents. That's the tithe. And maybe, maybe some people would just discard that or throw it in their backpack and think if I happen to get it to the right place. But, but I believe that the tithe is holy. I believe that it's important. So, so this scripture always would run through my mind. If you're faithful with a little bit, God will give you more to manage, right? And you'll be faithful with a lot. So I don't care if it's 10 cents. I don't care if it's $10, $10,000, $10 million. The tithe is holy. We have, to, we have to be people who are willing and ready to say, God, I put you first in this area. So I'd take that, those few cents, give it to our admin, put it in an envelope or a Ziploc bag or something. Here's 35 cents. That's the tithe. Make sure it goes to the right place. Because it's about the principle, not just the amount. And wherever you are, whether you're saying, I, I don't make very much, or I, I make a, a larger amount now that my career is established, be a tither. And the church said, amen. amen. The fourth principle of stewardship, and I'm going to close with this, is the principle of reward. I love the, the parable of the talents, where at the end, the master's there, and um, the Bible says we're all going to have to give an account as stewards of how we've managed. Matthew 25, verse 23 says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, when I stand face to face with Jesus, I long to hear those words. Well done thy good and faithful servant. The way you manage your time, your resources, your energy, you did a good job. Don't you just want to make our Heavenly Father proud and happy? You know what I'm saying? And we're all going to be called to give an account of what we've done with our lives. Would you close your eyes right now? I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.